Oh, hey, we're going live. Right. I can see it up there. Yeah, yeah. that's what that's nice. I've never been live before, guys. Can't tell about my coloring Adult coloring books are acceptable. I mean, kept me super focused. There you go. Um, oh, I had a director who used to do that draw during a meeting, and I never understood why. And now it's like, aha, I'm with you. Like that's how you think you're best. Do you do it? Would you do it at an in-person meeting, Renee? Yeah, no. I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, I spin things in my fingers mm-hmm. a lot in in a meeting or supervision. Was that nail polish? Yeah. Just uh, lip gloss right on the table. I'm definitely a fidgeter, for sure. Yeah. You guys have I mean, fidget spinners? I found one in uh, in with the first office that I was at when I started. Um, Nate left one in there, and I snatched that up. Yeah. I um, like like a pen, like things that weren't intended to like not a fidget spinner, but something. So I have a whole theory behind fidget spinners that I won't, uh, this is not the podcast for it, for sure. Uh, but I can't, I, uh, it could be. can't bring myself to do it. You never know. We've talked about some funny things on this podcast, so. Yeah. I will derail us for sure. Well, now what's your theory? Yeah. Well, it's the whole, it's like the self-soothing in it. Um, creates this need for instant gratification, which then can turn into the need for substances because you can't. <laughs> uh, spinners are a gateway drug. <laughs> wow. wow. I'm spinning my lip gloss and that is indicative. <laughs> is that a leap? I, I don't know. It's um, a little bit of a leap and I, I have some follow-up thoughts on that, but we don't need it. Like, all right, uh, podcast is over. Thanks for joining. <laughs> this has been Jessica's <laughs> clinical opinion. <laughs> Jessica's TED Talk. <laughs> what were we saying, Keith? Just Jess? That was, <laughs> no. Yes, just Jess. That's the new podcast. Not subscribing. Hey, for those of you joining with us in on Facebook right now, uh, thanks for jumping in. We're, uh, th- we're excited to be recording a live episode of our podcast. So we're going to kick off the episode here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, one of the things that we do when we are typically recording uh, together in the office is uh, talk for a while with the record button and we get our funny bloopers that you hear at the beginning of most of our episodes. So we're just chatting for a little bit, giving time for folks to jump in and listen in and we're going to kick off our episode in a, in a second. So um, I think that right now the best nomination for the title of this uh, episode should be something along the lines of fidget spinners are a gateway drug. That's <laughs> there's a lot of clinical uh, knowledge that went into that too. Yeah. <laughs> Research. Yeah, there'll be a trademark with a J in it because that's only Jessica thinks that. <laughs> Please didn't give me time to like delve into it though. Like there's layers to this conversation. I just gave you like a snippet. You did. <laughs> So don't use that as your subject, like on the top of your paper. That's not your thesis line or whatever that's called. I'm going to take notes. Yeah, yeah, thesis. That's right. I don't go to school. What is happening? Note to self. Do not leave nope. that in conversations. Okay. Note to self. Do you use a fidget, do you use a fidget spinner? 
Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> mm. um, Keith, I, I don't think we intended like our recorded banter to ever get. I don't think that was a purposeful. Maybe you are scheming enough no. to make purposeful. No. But I feel like in the beginning, as you edited, you just found the funny clips of while it was rolling. Yeah. Like, so it started as just like um, needing to do sound check. And so needing to hit record, make sure that the recording was going into the computer and everything, testing everybody's microphones, adjusting it as we were chatting. Uh, and so we, you know, we did those couple of test episodes. And then when we went to actually go back to edit and review them, I was like, this is hilarious. And it, but it's not in the mix of like the regular content. So this has to go somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I also was inspired by a, one of my, um, like favorite podcast from a former life um, called Marriage is Funny and they did it and I thought it was hilarious and it and so yeah stole it it's it's life it's real yeah I just realized that I don't follow the podcast on Facebook and it says I just saw your requests come through <laughs> how did you hear about this uh podcast I put I'm a host I'm a host I'm all checking my Oh no, so I can am I what's happening? <laughs> I won't be on my phone during the episode. <laughs> I did silence mine. Make oh sure. yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I did the do not disturb because I don't trust myself to not uh <laughs> I emailed my team and I was like, guys, I won't be available during this time because I know I'll get distracted. Fidget spinners are bad. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I know myself. I have to limit my abilities to fidget. And I don't think fidget spinners are bad. So I am not saying that. <laughs> I would like the Facebook world not to think that I think fidget spinners are bad. I do have theories and thoughts. Um, but please fidget away. Do what is best for you. I am I'm not the judge or the jury on that. Yeah. Yeah. I do understand and i think we've even talked about a couple of times here like delayed gratification self-soothing i mean that's that's definitely part of all of our lives i get it yep um, well even just our last episode about coping yeah right and i think like every behavior can be like the, either the coping skill or the self-care like i can either fidget to distract myself or fidget to stay focused mm -hmm. so i think it's a matter of what why you're sure. doing it we're all different different learning types so yeah. now we're actual real content that's not you know this is helpful not funny so we might as well just start the real podcast episode. yeah <laughs> thanks for joining us for another episode i'm keith i'm john i'm renee and it's okay if you're not okay and today we are welcoming special guest jessica murphy Yay, Jessica. Hi. jessica Welcome. is a team leader for our co-responders at johnson county mental health center and she actually had the idea for uh, today's uh, podcast episode, which is talking about positive reframing in the, in the midst of a pandemic. But before we jump into the actual content of our episode, a few of our housekeeping items. First of all, uh, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Johnson County Mental Health Center or Johnson County government. Now you get to see everybody's faces. When I say that, you don't typically get um, And then uh, also, Depending on where you are listening or viewing this episode, for the very first time, we are live a recording session. So we are all in four different uh, locations, and so we couldn't be able to get us. So we thought we might as well just capitalize on that and broadcast live on uh, Johnson 
Tiny Mental Health Center's Facebook page. So I'm sure there'll be times throughout this episode where we reference things going on during Facebook, and then there'll be times that makes more sense to listeners who are listening uh, through a podcast app. Uh, so we're live now that will be um, available on your favorite podcasting app within a few hours after we're done. Also, um, we'll, we will be uh, sharing uh, transcripts shortly thereafter, shortly after the episode concludes. So uh, those of our uh, listeners and followers, uh, viewers who uh, have a harder time hearing can still capture the content. So with all the housekeeping items, let's stop, dive into this. So uh, Jessica, you, you brought this up uh, just in like kind of an informal conversation that we were having about um, some of the ways that, that you've experienced this personally. You don't necessarily jump there first. The, the importance of positive reframing during a pandemic. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to just change a, a smidge and say positive reframing is always valuable, uh, not just during a pandemic, but I think that it is naturally something that um, we can lean on during a pandemic sure. in general. Um, and so just a quick positive reframe. Um, I get to be a special guest on this awesome podcast um, because of all of this happening, and this may not have happened otherwise. So it's kind of a neat thing. There for you go. Experience. Um so yeah, we were kind of talking about this. Uh, I think Renee and I talked about it and Keith and I a little bit and um, listening to the last couple episodes with you all, it just kind of um, hit me that, you know, positive reframing is something we talk about a lot in our kind of clinical world. And it's a skill that I learned earlier on in my career and probably valued the most. And um, I think that it's something that we can kind of help people to be more aware of, of what's out there. I think a lot of people do it naturally. Some don't do it naturally. And so just kind of bringing more, um, I guess, content to that topic so that people are aware of it. So would it help if I kind of dig into what it is? I was, I was just going to open that up because uh, we, now we've said positive reframing probably six times already. So uh, maybe John or Renee want to jump in and kind of help give us a little definition about what does it mean to positive reframe outside of pandemic? When, when we, when we normally would say that at Johnson County Mental Health Center, what would Take it away, John. Oh, Renee, you got it. You got it. <laughs> this right. is the part that I normally edit out when we're not live. I actually remember the class that I was sitting in when they taught the skill of positive reframing as a clinician, and that might sound funky, like teaching that skill, but I, I remember the light bulb moment. Um, I remember the moment in college where I was... Um, digging in my thoughts, really challenged with a negative. I think we maybe lost Renee. So yeah, uh, John, up. why don't you help us out and hopefully Renee will be back soon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Renee's going to love that frozen shot. We all look great in our frozen shots. Oh, man. Um, so I don't know what Renee was going to say, so I'm not claiming to say that, but, um, uh, yeah, so positive reframing, um, uh, is, is essentially, um, uh, changing the way that you, um, are, are perceiving a situation, um, uh, to hopefully impact the way that you feel about that situation. Hey, um, hey, back. Renee's back. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> no, I have no clue what just happened, but I got a doorbell sound when I came back in. So you're welcome. welcome. Here I am. Nice. Thank you. That was very nice. successful. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, okay, John, did you pick up? Sorry. 
going. Yeah, essentially changing changing the way that you think about a situation to hopefully impact your emotions, your mood, or your feelings about what you're going through. Essentially, just kind of trying to nudge. But you guys can add on to that. I I love it. It really is simple. Can be as simple as finding a positive in a negative situation. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting to me. Um, again, I'm I'm often the outsider coming in, and so I pick up on a more clinical term and then try and connect that to something I've experienced in some way. And so this is, I'm interested to hear kind of your perspectives on how is this the same or different from looking at the bright side of things? Um, is, is it really the same as that or is there a little bit more intentionality? I mean, like what, how would you divvy up just a positive person for somebody who's good at positively reframing situations? I think we were talking a little bit about this before that there are there's a lot of lingo that we can use. Um, so we were talking as a group about the word silver linings in particularly look on the bright side, find the positive. Um, and I think as we progress in the podcast, you're going to hear us talk about those and use those words more often and in different contexts. And so I would say there are similarities in all of them. I think they are absolutely interchangeable at times, but I also think too, we can we can use them in a not positive way. And I think that'll come up in the podcast too. So uh, what, what do you guys think? Is there some similarities in the words kind of at their everyday use? Uh, I mean, I think that they all have um, very similar intentions and that yeah. is, to not dwell in the negative. Um, but again, I think that it, it depends on if you're using it contextually that way and not just like, oh, look on the bright side. Well, <laughs> that doesn't feel great, you know, mm -hmm. um, because sometimes it, it can be hard to, to switch to the bright side and that's okay too. Um, but it's a skill that I think any one of us, again, can try to use to um, change how we're thinking or feeling about a situation that we might be in. COVID. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I, I think it's a skill that we individually need to use. You can't do it for somebody else. I think we'll touch, mm. we'll, we'll touch a little bit on that, but I think that that is the tendency to do. It's like, ooh, I understand this thing that I use for myself, and so when you are sharing pain or turmoil with me, I'm going to show you the other side of the coin. There's another one we'll throw in, two sides to the same coin, yeah. right? There's another yeah. saying there as well, the, the good and the bad sit right next to each other. Mm -hmm. Or the yes, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. At least. Me, in, when I've tried to capture that, this phrase of capture of um, positive reframing, I think in my mind, I don't see, like, I see those as this very similar as, as these other, as these other sayings. But for me, when I use that phrase, I'm using it in a very specific way as, um, as almost a, a coping mechanism for lack of better language, maybe, but like, as an intentional skill that I'm using to help me manage the situation I'm in, where I wouldn't use look at the bright side or being a positive person or being optimistic. I wouldn't use those words, even though they, it, in practical means, they mean the same thing. I wouldn't use those when I'm talking about trying to figure out how to manage how I'm feeling about a situation. Uh, for me, it, it using the, the more clinical term helps me identified as a skill as opposed to a personality trait. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think for me, this, this really comes true um, or is helpful 
um, when I'm dealing with a big thing or issue, um, it, it, it helps me to make it more complex um, because I think that so many things are two things at the same time. And, um, and I really do think that um, when, I, when I kind of make a, a painful or a tough situation or an uncomfortable situation, just one thing, um, I'm kind of I, I don't know, robbing myself of, of seeing it more clearly. And so I almost do it to kind of sharp, go further into the gray area and kind of sharpen my lens at, at, at this experience. So for example, in, in, in my quarantine cube episode, I talked about shelter in place as potentially, not potentially, but it is, this is collective purpose around a, a global and national crisis that we're in. So, so helping me just like kind of understand that it, it also, it, it's, a, it's a bad thing that is uncomfortable, but also a good thing at the same time. Um, I don't know, it takes the edge off of just looking at it in one way. Yeah, that's helpful. For those of you who are joining us for the first time or are, um, don't listen to the podcast regularly, uh, we have uh, released four episodes these last four weeks, specifically talking about uh, mental health and our reflections and experiences on that during uh, the pandemic that we're experiencing. But we have a number of episodes before that that we'll probably uh, refer back to as well, uh, just around general practices around mental health and, and important conversations there. So John was mentioning one that, um, that we did just recently. Uh, I think it was three episodes, three episodes ago uh, that you can check out. So I want to keep, I want to capitalize on this word skill that we keep using. I know that three of us are uh, clinicians here and we have, we have essentially grandfathered Keith in uh, to our <laughs> clinician to world. Me and I keep saying no. <laughs> <laughs> Who really says, I want to use words like positive reframe. <laughs> uh, we have, good job. We have, and we've fished you out and caught you and real jam. Uh, so the, the word skill Right, implies that there's got to be some effort behind it. And so I, I think there is a differentiation in why, while we use the words interchangeably sometimes, you're right. It can be somebody's personality trait to kind of, again, find that other side of the coin, look on the bright side. I want to I challenge that the depth of positive reframe and the skill that that is, is that it's finding opportunity in the positive, not just finding the positive. Mm. What is my opportunity to again, to, to go back and name drop myself in my self-awareness episode. How am, how am I still acknowledging maybe the negative, but then what is my opportunity for growth in the positive? What, or maybe what is my opportunity for growth? Um, and so again, I wanna bring, bring that skill back to it, but I also think opportunity, that was the one word that really came uh, while you all were talking, the opportunity. Yeah, I like that. That really connected to me using the word opportunity made this connect to me about the concept of hope, which we've used before as a, um, oh, I'm, I've lost, I've lost my technical language now. So, uh, uh, any case, uh, whatever we used hope as before, uh, but, um, a, a positive indicator for mental health. There's a, there's a different word, a clinical term that you all can help me with in a second, but I had this experience with my daughter to, tonight, actually. So uh, my daughter, she's the oldest of my 27 uh, kids. Uh, my mom, my mom keeps texting me and saying that I, you need to tell people you only have four, not really. So, but my 27 kids, my oldest one, she'll be 10 in June. Um, she is social butterfly, everybody's friend. She's never met a stranger. And so this, this time has been really difficult for her. And so today, so she has um, 
like a, a group from church, a group of girls from church that she's a part of, uh, and they played Minecraft together for the first time um, today. And it, and it, it didn't work at all. It was, it was awful uh, technology-wise. But um, she made a connection with one of the girls in the group that she wasn't really connected with very much before who invited her to play Minecraft again tomorrow. And so tonight before bed, my daughter said, I am so excited I have that scheduled tomorrow for tomorrow because it gives me something to look forward to. And tomorrow doesn't have to be just another day where we stay home, dad have to work from home. And so there was, there was a sense of, okay, we're home. And she didn't use this term and I'm, I'm applying and adding more on to, to her. But if we weren't home, she would not get to play mine, to craft, Minecraft with this new friend. So she made and she wouldn't get to play Minecraft with them in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, because they would both be at school. And so, but that hope, though, gave her something to look forward to, and it changed her attitude now, because she was able to see the positive and be hopeful for experiencing that tomorrow. Yeah, that's cool. We talked, Keith, obviously, previous episode alert again, about, you know, when we get stuck in those places, and sometimes our mental health symptoms are really at a peak, especially uh, uh, depression. And I think um, just my world right now, just the, the isolation that we, mm -hmm. that some of us are experiencing, I can definitely relate to um, an increase in depression. But we talked about the word, the foreshortened sense of future, right? What yes. do I have to look forward to tomorrow? And so this is where the, the positive reframe can talk about this is when we get from A to B, because if we've got a B to look forward to, if we have an opportunity of B, um, then that that gives us hope. That's the hope for tomorrow. And your kiddo just found her hope for tomorrow. And yeah. that's really powerful for mental wellness. Yeah. Really powerful. Those personal uh, stories about that that you just shared, Keith, that 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 maybe some of us um, also have are really helpful. Those those really make this kind of come to life. Does anybody else have one? That wasn't I was set up to at all. Think of an alliteration, personal pandemic parodies. I don't know. Am <laughs> <laughs> I not welcome back? We are a parody of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so John gave Jessica a soft pitch to share this really cool story. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. I was trying, right? Yes. yes. Special guest. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, I happen to, to be one of those that is a hashtag Corona bride um, right now. Never thought that mm. I would be hashtagable, um, but I am. I don't think hashtagable is actually a word, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, my fiance and I were supposed to get married April 18th, as you guys all know, of course. And um, when uh, COVID hit, we had to postpone pretty quickly because, you know, we weren't allowed to do the, the large gatherings. And we actually made that decision very early on because we did not, we really valued who was coming versus the date we were getting married. Um, we just happened to like pick that date out of the blue. So it wasn't a special mm -hmm. date by any means. Um, and I've had so many people reach out and just ask how I'm doing you guys all included. It's been really nice to have that level of support from folks, but, um, honestly, it's, it's not been the worst thing. Um, I, I don't love planning a wedding twice. I will tell you that <laughs> as a planner, even I don't love doing it twice. Um, but the thing is, is that we've actually been able to change it. And so, you know, um, during the planning process, you're like, 
if I could do that again, if I could do, you know, and so we've taken it as that opportunity. And that was really Larry who kind of pushed me to that side of things of like, we said, you know, this is something that we wanted to do different, if, you know, hindsight, because um, we get, you get caught up in that planning moment. And so um, we ended up needing to switch venues, um, which we are sad to not be at our original, but found another one that we also really like, and we're going to be able to end up saving um, a significant amount of money with all the changes. Uh, and then it's on August 8th, which is double infinity. So that's a really positive thing. Oh, National Day of Happiness as well. So it's like, so we're trying to focus on all of those, you know, little positives that's happened from a, an unfortunate situation. And there are a lot of Corona brides who maybe didn't have um, those experiences the same as I did. I, and I, I understand that, you know, it's stressful and overwhelming for folks, but um, that's helped me at least get through it is trying to find those little things throughout the whole process. Yeah. yeah so in some ways, positive reframe gives you a little bit of control yeah. over an uncontrollable situation. Is the perception of control even better than nothing? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it is. And yeah. I think, th thank you. That is a really personal story. And thank you mm -hmm. for sharing that. Um, yeah, just thank you for that. I appreciate it. I think your story though also articulates one more, again, like next level. You are just Super Mario's going to the Bowser's castle. Um, <laughs> you not only did you guys positively reframe and you found that hope, you took action on it. Like in that, again, takes a lot of that, that, that space of mental wellness going, we are, this is true. This is true. We are canceling. We are changing. We are not experiencing this on April 18th, but we are also planning something new and taking those action steps and action steps are sometimes the hardest in the clinical world because it is easy for me to stay in my head. I can think positively all day long. And when I start doing, um, I think that it, it again, it's another, another level of that mental wellness to encourage yourself. Uh, so the skill is there, but you have to, we all individually have to put forth that effort to seize that opportunity when we can, if we can, and ask for help. Um, mm. Thanks for sharing. I think what's cool too about that story and what's helpful in this in this sense, Jessica, I know that you said that your fiance is who kind of helped push you to get to that place, but it also wasn't uh, like your friend saying, uh, well, hey, at least that, you know, uh, at least this, uh, and I think I mentioned it before that you have to reframe that yourself. Somebody else can reframe it for you. Let's talk about that a little bit. What what can happen when we try and start re we try to reframe things for other people? Yeah, the, the pitfalls of <laughs> yeah. positive reinforce or not reinforcement, but reframing. Yes. Yeah. I'd like to take a poll for anybody that's uh, hosting right now or watching on Facebook who has yes. tried to fix fix someone and succeeded. Raise your hand, please. <laughs> Well, so Renee, that's not, so when you encourage people to comment on Facebook, you need to get something that they actually can, can say yes to. Who has tried to stick someone and it's failed miserably. I want to see all the yeses in the comments. But people might be more uh, interested. Right, Tell us yeah. the time that someone tried to fix you and put that oh. in the comments. 
and yeah. one in Lindenburg. How it made you feel. Or just say, it's okay, and you're Renee, and if you're not okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's that's where I go to and I have talked about my, I've talked about my life and my journey. And I've talked about that I have been married and divorced. And I, I People are raising their hands, by the way. People are, people have seen <laughs> not working. So just people are there. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Uh, and so in my divorce, have talked about that divorce is a failed marriage, um, right? Mm. But but what did I what did I find in in that space? Um, and a lot of it was, man, you can't fix somebody else, Renee. But then the other part was, man, you got to be pretty self aware, and you've got to be constantly learning and growing for yourself too. Um, but I think that's probably where I hear it the most, especially in my professional life, is. If he only, if she only, if they only. Um, so when have you sat back, stripped all of your thoughts and opinions away and really listened to that other person um, and really tried to be in uh, the situation that they're in? And only then do I really think that we can entertain the words of, and so now what, how can I help? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, and uh, Jessica, I'm going to toss it back over to you on this because we just said, <laughs> we just said, here we go, throw it over. Oh, wrong way, mirror image. Um, so, uh, we just said you can't reframe it for somebody else, but you just talked about how your fiance had a part and you've been able to positive reframe. So you don't have to share all your intimate details, but like what makes that relationship different? Like why is it okay for your, your fiance to do that, but it wouldn't be okay for your boss to do that or a coworker or something. Uh, well, I'm curious if he's in the basement um, watching this right now, like <laughs> who me? I, I, <laughs> Larry, um, I have comment, comment below. <laughs> yeah, tell us you're here, Larry. Yeah. Um, so I think that it, there's a lot to that. I think that there's a delicacy that can come with it and that it's okay to help someone see the positive because it can be really hard too if someone's just living in that um, maybe negative space. And it's hard not to try to coach them or help them find the positive. I think that that's also natural for some of us. And so I think it's more of a balance. You know, um, validation is um, another skill um, that, again, comes naturally to some. It did not to me in the right. beginning. I'm a problem solver. Uh, let's get stuff done. And so one of my mentors, um, Nikki Green, I don't know if we can name drop in here, but uh, uh, she Absolutely. really helped me figure out what validation was. And so... I think you can kind of couple it. It's kind of like the Oreo effect, you know, adding that validation, recognizing where someone's at, but then also giving them that positive. And so um, I think it just depends on someone's headspace. Where are you? Yeah, I, I might be making an assumption here, but my guess is, is that potentially your fiance was able to help you positively reframe here because he was also experiencing the same loss as you maybe. Yeah. And that you knew that he was feeling pain around that as well. And that maybe he was working that skill to help you guys as a kind of a, a couple, a unit to, to think about this in a new way that was going to be helpful for you guys. And I think that that's one of the keys is when I don't empathize or show that I understand someone's pain, and then I try to positive reframe for them. All I do is just get them to dig themselves further into the reason why this is a bad situation or why they're feeling or reacting the, the way they yeah. are. Um, and, and, and so that's the biggest problem here. with fixing. Yes, it, it's actually gets you the opposite thing. 
Yes. yes. And since Kate's not here, somebody has to bring up that Brene Brown empathy versus sympathy. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, think, I think Kate is actually watching us. I think I saw her name. Nice. What's up, Kate? She might be appreciating that. So, hey, Kate. Hey, Kate. <laughs> um, really quick, though, have you guys talked about the It's Not About the Nail uh, video? No. Uh, no, not on the podcast. It okay. literally, I made my parents watch it not that long ago. <laughs> I'm like, FaceTime. I know, I am such a fun daughter. Wow. <laughs> um, when she says wrong, game night, decline the invitation. We're going to start tonight with, <laughs> um, ironically, Larry showed it to me as well, my fiance, um, uh, years ago. And I just, I like the visualization of it. I'm a very visual person. And so, it essentially is talking about the value of validating someone has a very obvious problem um, and just focusing on the feelings. Oh, I, yes. Like, uh-huh. I have it's, seen this video now that you, yes. I don't know great. if you can link that for folks at some point, Keith, but it is. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can find it. Uh, oh, and do you know what the word fix implies that something's broken? And I don't know about y'all, but. I don't want someone to, even somebody that I really love and care about, it still hurts mm-hmm. when I think someone needs to fix me, right? Because it means I'm broken. And I think that those two things can be true at the same time is that I can I can have something negative happen and I can find the, the positive in that. Um, but I also want to just kind of give some credence to the, the relationship that you and Larry have, but then also the therapeutic relationship. And that's why we keep talking about it as a clinical skill. We don't learn it. Well, we should learn it as therapists for ourselves, <laughs> first and foremost. But then why is that a skill that we're taught? Because when we're in that trusted therapeutic relationship with a client, and I know, and the client knows that it's a safe space to do that, I'm, I'm going to help with some positive reframe and to see if a client will catch on to that and, and use some of that information. And again, if not, no worries. We'll, we'll try a different day yeah. or maybe a different topic, or maybe it's just a, a listening day and that's okay. But really truly using it as a skill is for ourselves, but we also do that. So maybe even some of you who are talking to a therapist right now, you're kind of like, man, my therapist keeps telling me to find a positive and right, that, that's what, that's what they're doing. Um, so you can go in there and be like, are you trying a positive reframe? <laughs> there you go. He listen to the podcast. <laughs> I, to bring in a Keith so here, I, I think is, I was just going to say, piggybacking on that, I said it once, I've said it a million times, no relationship happens in a vacuum, right? And so being able, all the conversations you've had with the person beforehand feed into the conversation is going to go now. And there's some people who can help you positive reframe, some people that never will be able to help you uh, because of your relationship is not in a place where there's that mutual trust and yeah. empathy of affirmation. Uh, and so all those play into it too. Yeah. Yes. The relationship is primary and essential. We talk about it in our case management practice of the strengths model all the time. We, we, it doesn't matter how well we, or how good of a job we do at uncovering people's strengths, recording those strengths, feeding those strengths back to them. If they don't trust you, if you're not genuine and you don't have a, good relationship, then all of that assessment for strengths and, and use of strengths goes out the window. So it's interesting because Renee and I, we work in a world of crisis where we see people sometimes one time. And so we don't 
get that ability to have that the longevity of some relationships, but you said genuine. And that really spoke to Mm -hmm. me because I think that that's, that is, is key. And that's what I seek out from individuals is feeling that genuineness from them. And I think you can build a relationship really quickly with someone. If you are genuine in your interaction with them, whether it's 30 minutes or 30 days, 30 years. Yes. Good point. And I'm going to come back to the idea about fixing and broken. The other thing that when we say we need to fix somebody, we're usually trying to say we need to fix the pain that they're feeling or the sadness they're feeling, but those are emotions and having those emotions doesn't make you broken. Uh, right. Still, Renee-ism is that we are built to experience the full range of emotions and mm-hmm. uh, that sadness and grief. And uh, those are not broken pieces of us. There's a point, right, where we need to be concerned, like if that's, um, if that's lasting for uh, an especially long period of time, or if it's impairing our relationships with other people, our ability to go to work, our ability to complete school for yeah. kids, um, the relationships with friends, that uh, you know, there's changing behaviors that are strange. There's points when those feelings become concerns, but those feelings in themselves are not brokenness that need right. fixed. For sure. Well, a lot of times I think we, when we communicate, it's for, um, we have intentions with why we're communicating and that's to get validation or to solve a problem. Like a lot of times it can be boiled down. I don't mean to simplify it so much because there's more layers to it, but you know, I think that it's, it's again, looking for what someone's intention is with our communication. Are they, are they needing you to help solve a problem? Because that's not fixing, but it's, it's, it's helping. And I think innately we all want to do that. Um, Cause when we see a problem, it's like, Ooh, let me help you. I think we all want to like, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we don't, but it can, it can even start from a place of empathy of of that person's pain with them and then wanting to relieve them of that pain. It can come from a really positive motivation. Yeah. Yeah. I think even asking the person, the question can be really respectful. Like, do you want to start, do you want help fixing this or no? (laughs) And do you want want to hear what my, I have to say, do you want my advice? Are you asking me to, put into this situation absolutely because some people are in that mindset and they're like how do i like what do you what would you do here when somebody's asking you that that is a clear invitation for you to start to brainstorm around fixing but we go so quick to that when somebody's just saying this hurts we just oftentimes before we we get into any positive reframing or anything just go you're hurting Mm -hmm. um and 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 just show them that you hear that um that you're there with them on that I just, uh, uh, someone just posted, uh, Missy just posted in the comments that, uh, that she had a friend that had a really hard time accepting empathy. And she, when, when she would imp- try to empathize with her friend, uh, her friend would receive it as sympathy and like she wasn't sort of worthy of the empathy. I wonder if we might chat about that experience a little bit. Not So I don't want to all of a sudden become a radio show, a <laughs> therapy show. Um, I do. Uh, okay, John. But, but but I mean, Missy's here watching. So let's let's yeah. uh, talk. I bet she's not the only one that's had that experience. I I agree, and I think it goes back to what John said. But just generalize it, generalizing it a little more is: is there anything that I can do for you? What do you need from me? And the answer could be nothing. The answer could be I don't know. Um, and so I think it's again putting the ball back in someone's court uh, to allow them to have that space of maybe just maybe they just unload with tears 
um, maybe they, they finally are able to say, I don't know, but can you help me figure it out? Um, because that, that while maybe that other person isn't knowingly accepting of it, you are giving that empathy, letting them drive that situation. So really, truly, and not even like asking, how can I help? Because again, you're implying that maybe they need help. Is there anything I can do? What would yeah. you like to see from me? Yeah. And so, they so instead of, I mean, they, they shut up, leave. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe instead of like trying to empathize, um, this is still probably in the same vein as empathizing, but just asking questions. So what's that like? Yeah. Tell me more about that. Help me understand rather than taking it a step further to go, man, that really sucks. You're in pain. This hurts. That was a loss for you. Because then again, you maybe invite that person to say, well, yeah, 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 it is, but I'll be okay. You know, and then they start to kind of argue yeah. on the other side rather than just like eliciting like more of what that was like for them. Um, and I think it's also okay to say, I've never been through something like that. What was that like? Yeah. I want to affirm um, to Missy recognizing that uh, in her friend uh, that, yeah. that not work. I'm trying to empathize and it's not working. Um, Misty went on to say her comment like expanded. So I hit see more and so I got to read the rest of the story. Um, but after after a few years of counseling, this friend's perspective changed on being able to receive empathy. And so partially coming from that own individual's probably self-perception in, in some ways and identity in themselves. Right. Yeah. And also maybe giving a little bit of, of permission too. And so first of all, Missy, thank you. That is a really real life example of the people that we care about in our lives that we want to give empathy to and be empathetic with. Um, and we have to recognize too, that if somebody's not there to receive it, our decision might have to be stepped back. Um, I cannot control the pace in which someone wants to receive my empathy the space they need, the time they need. And so if you're not feeling received or it's not a positive interaction, you have the, the choice to step back. And right, that's what's in our control um, because your safety and your mental wellness is just as important as well. Um, because we're not asking someone to, again, uh, feel the hurt, but, but be alongside them. Um, and I'm trying to now put words to the wonderful Brene Brown video. I'm not gonna do a good job. So Brene Brown video. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it also depends though of um, your mode of communicating with the individual if it's you know if uh, with the physical distancing we're experiencing having the visual is really critical for me yeah. and, and we've, I've talked with Keith about this of like when we do things through text or email and you lose so many layers of that communication with the auditory and the visual um, then you can really misinterpret something and you leave it for interpretation. And so yeah. you know, I encourage people with, again, not being able to spend as much time with folks is find ways to get face-to-face -face so that you can read those other cues and that they can hear your voice. I tend to be semi-monotone, I, I think. Mm. And so I, I don't always think, you know, I, I have to find ways to make sure people know I'm genuine in my communication. Um, and a lot of people will use their tone to do that. So I think that that's important for us to be a, to remember, I guess, um, for folks. That totally got me. Uh, and this is a positive reframe for me um, that I'm processing myself right now. So um, I ended up having to work home uh, a week before a stay home order. So this is my seventh week working from home uh, and so not seeing any of my coworkers for a long time. 
And so this time, the, the positive pieces that have come out of this, one of them is um, I, it has given me the opportunity to evaluate how I communicate with people. And, you know, we joke about how so many meetings that we used to have could ne- are now just emails, right? So that's a joke. But I find myself, I am firing off way more emails and getting way more things done, done by email all the time. It like takes out all of like that soft relational tone from stuff. I'm just like, get stuff done all the time. And so I've just been reflecting on how that impacts relationships and then how my tone in emails and how I need to like, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm still processing that, but I, I, my positive reframe is that I have an opportunity right now to think about that in a different way than I would otherwise. The, the second piece, which I know we've mentioned on a couple of podcasts and a couple of the resources that we have on uh, jocogov.org slash mental health is um, the opportunity to connect with people in a different way right now. And so uh, we, I've talked, I'm like a new brand ambassador for Marco Polo app, uh, but there's just <laughs> different ways that I've connected differently on purpose because um, I've had to, to have relationships and to uh, just for my own emotional and mental support in this time being now seven weeks away from everybody. Uh, and so those are things that I'm seeing as positives and, and grateful for uh, in, in this time, some new and deeper relationships that I probably wouldn't have ever formed uh, had the situation not come up. So that is your awesome positive reframe in this space. I'm going to challenge you, Keith, to take action and keep it up after this. <laughs> Right? I mean, really? Yeah, exactly. Right? I don't mind challenging Keith in front of the free world on Facebook. Uh, right? It's <laughs> that, that moment, I would challenge all of us, you know, to find, I mean, and Jessica, as you continue to prepare and plan, keep that forward momentum with your family, with your event, um, because that is, right, and that's where we get to accomplishment, and man, mm-hmm. that's where I think it's like the fruit of positive reframe is mm. feeling accomplished is the best treatment out there that I've got is completing something, feeling successful and accomplishment and accomplishment just takes our worries away. And that's powerful. Mm. Well, and, and I want to make sure people understand too, that positive reframe doesn't mean that the situation doesn't still suck. Can you right. say that? <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I did. Okay. Um, it, it still, it still it can be a bad situation. The pandemic yes. is still bad. And so like one of my reframes from the pandemic, I live um, in Lee Summit and work in Shawnee and my commute is usually brutal um, where it's been <laughs> not an hour and a half uh, when I Google drive or Google, Google map. Uh, and so right now <laughs> it's been a consistent 30 minutes. Now, I also recognize that means a lot more people aren't working. They're at home with their family or furloughed or laid off. And I hate that. And so it can be both. And it goes back, I think, to Keith's kind of dichotomy episode where you can have two very different things, but they can coexist and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why yes and is so much better than yes, but. So when we talk about those pitfalls, if you find yourself starting a response to somebody sharing a negative to you with at least or if you find yourself saying yes, but um, you're just negating everything that they just said right there. So um, yeah, my commute has been uh, really easy. And it also means that there's a lot fewer people uh, that may be at work right now. And and that change in language uh, adds so much to that sentence. Yeah. 
I think it's it's really important that you brought up those words, Jessica, because the the four of us, the reality is the four of us remain employed at this time. Mm -hmm. And I have friends and family who are not or furloughed. And let me tell you, uh, before I went on my awareness, self-awareness, awareness of others journey, I was telling their story negatively. It, it, up here, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm working. Oh gosh, nobody else is, I can't. And then mm -hmm. I let them share their story. Mm -hmm. And my world was rocked when a lot of their stories were positive. Mm -hmm. And so I had to stop narrating everything for everybody else. And look here, uh, let people share their story. Sometimes what I perceive as pain is gonna be somebody else's joy or vice versa, let them share what that word means to them. Mm -hmm. To read somebody talk about how, how they are furloughed and that is the best thing to happen to them right now, that, it humbled me. And that's yeah. not everyone's story and I accept right. that. Yeah. But I, my story is I have to be prepared to listen to the other person's story. Yeah. And I want to I want to recognize too. So obviously, losing employment is a detrimental experience. Uh, illness and death are the the others that are yes. on, it, on people now, and and a part of our real experiences. I, I, when we're in, there's been deaths in our community. A lot of them, and probably only, we each only have one or two people away from somebody who has had a severe. Uh, response to COVID-19. And so um, we can't reframe it for, for people. And we have to acknowledge the grief and the loss that's there. And there might be a time when, when people experiencing that can give it a positive reframe, but it's okay to hold the positive and the grief together at the same time. And we, we've talked about that in, in our, we did a couple episodes back in the December, January timeframe on grief and the complexities there. And so I, I, we're talking about positive reframe. And at the same time, we know that stuff is really hard and heavy right now. And so I, we are not in any way trying to sweep that under the rug right now. Nope. Well, and I think it's recognizing what, what you feel comfortable reframing and what you don't. And that's okay too. Like not everything has to be reframed. So again, I told you guys, I'm, right. I'm very visual. So if you think about like a picture and you like the picture, but you don't like the frame around it. And so literally you're changing the frame and that can change what you're looking at, mm -hmm. but you can have a bunch of pictures and it might change all of it. So it's, it really is like someone who has physically struggled with COVID due to like medical illness or, or what it might be, there may not be a reframe to that. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You can find maybe something else in your life that you might be able to apply this tool to. Um, but it's okay that it doesn't apply to everything. And I like that. And that's that. why we have lots of skills because yeah, we, exactly. need, we need lots of yes. different skills to apply for different apply to different situations. Yep. Right. Well, we're coming to a close here. So thanks folks for watching us and um, then listening to us. I wonder if we might all give uh, maybe our, our favorite lesson that we learned in our conversation today. And, and viewers, I want you to know and I'm talking for a long time slowly to give my co-hosts a chance to think of something. Oh, no, but I froze. Is, now I can't think of anything. He knows as hardest, well. This is the hardest part of our recording session. 
Uh, so every single episode release, I have to edit out this part because we all can't decide what we're going to say as our wrap-up statement. <laughs> it all take each other's one thing, uh, and it so messes messes it up. And so um, I will go first because I have something, and I'll give you a couple seconds longer to think of think of something. Okay, I'm last. Okay, sounds good. So I want to come back to my daughter's story um, about looking forward to something tomorrow and sometimes just recognizing something good that's coming out of this. And it gives you it gives you hope for something to look forward to. And it can change all of your time from point A to point B. Uh, and just how helpful that can be to think of something you might be looking forward to, something new opportunity that this time gives you. And that reshape all the time that you're experiencing between now and when that thing happens. So that's my one favorite thing from our conversation. Yeah, I think my light bulb moment here or my one takeaway is um, how a change in uh, perception um, can give you a little bit of control in the uncontrollable. Um, and, and that kind of came out of Jessica's story. Um, um, and so how, um, how just kind of painful situations and difficult situations um, uh, can be totally outside of our control and yet through just kind of our own thoughts and our own like kind of digging deeper into the perspective that we can we can find some control there and and that's so important um well i wish i would have gone second <laughs> <laughs> i know renee, renee was like i'll go last i was like that but I'm doing it. Dice. I don't care. Play that game. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, dice. That's not fair. The special guest didn't know. Like, oh, wait, you want to go earlier? I didn't strategically well, think this. Oh yeah, through. yeah. Um, so I'm going to piggyback a little bit because, um, again, you guys know me well enough, and uh, I um, have sometimes been described as controlling. Um, but the mm. positive reframe to that, <laughs> no, I don't actually have one. Um, but I think that it's one of those. I. I really value this tool because um, when I feel out of control with my circumstances, it gives me something to regain control for myself. I cannot control COVID in this world at all, even close. I have no skin in that game, um, but there are the little things that I can control. And I think that's really empowering and it gets me back to kind of my even keel, um, which I need to do that for myself. And so I really like that I, can do that. And I like being able to teach and share this skill with other people as well, because I think there's nothing better than to be in control of yourself. Awesome. So are Perfect you controlling? Setup. Are you controlling? Or do you just care a lot about things going right for you and those involved? Thank you. Hello. <laughs> My biggest takeaway was control, control. <laughs> So on my screen, you're pointing to nothing, Renee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Pretty I know. <laughs> my screen's the only one that's on Facebook. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> uh, so mine is great. Jessica teed me up good that this is a skill that it takes an introduction to, and then it takes time and practice, and that it's a skill uh, first and foremost, that we need to use with ourselves, And then the cool thing about it is that we can put it in our kind of tools, our bag of tricks that we have. And with the healthy, empathetic, safe relationship, we can also introduce this skill to somebody that we care about and that we have a trusting, healthy relationship with as well. Great. 
Thanks everybody for joining us for our first ever live episode recording. If you liked what you heard, uh, of course you can watch it again, uh, but help us out on your Facebook page or in any of the groups you're in. If you think this might be helpful to some of uh, the different Facebook groups you're a part of, uh, you might, might share it there. Uh, you can also listen on your favorite podcasting app. It will be uh, coming to you soon. Thanks for joining us for another episode. He's John. Oh, sorry. Uh, we you. We you got you. Got you. <laughs> it was so smoothly. This was this was a first time for everything. Sorry, Keith. I didn't hear you say. Oh, it's okay if you're not okay. <laughs> oh man, we had that. Oh, that was funny. Just say your name again, Keith. Oh, I'm yeah, Keith. Just say, yeah. I'm John. I'm Renee, and it's okay if you're not okay. Oh, this has got to get a lot of Awesome. Edit. That's going to be an outtake yeah. somewhere. Oh, I was like, oh. that's John. <laughs>